great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Final hours are upon us before the 2022-23 NFL season playoffs begin. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Right now, you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. I've been telling you guys this all season. I hope you've all been entering weekly in because Kings Hawaiian is putting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown every week, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries towards the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium, play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. We're going to preview Bill's Dolphins on this episode. We have another guest this week, Mike Sando from The Athletic, bringing a little bit of a national perspective. And then we'll, of course, finish up with our keys to the games, uh, to the game, uh, our prediction as well. How are you, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, excited for some playoff football this weekend. It's the best time of the year in the NFL. Ryan is going to be in Buffalo for a second consecutive weekend. We're going to cover uh, two football games. This is the first time since I started that we're going to be covering home games back-to-back weeks yeah. together in person, live at Highmark Stadium. Jazz, man. Yeah, so am I. Excited to be there. Uh, playoff atmosphere, big game against a division rival. You name it, it's going to be a great time at Highmark Stadium. Eric Wizowski, uh, sorry if I'm butchering your name, says, can you change your Wingnuts event? Because he's going to be in town uh, next weekend. And unfortunately, we already got that one locked in, my man. But listen, Eric, get over to Wingnuts anyway. It's an awesome time. Get your Try those wings. They are next level. The beer's on tap are uh, so quality. They're, they're bringing out new ones all the time. I've tried now. I've been there twice, and I've tried two different ones that I'd never had before, and they blew me away. So so head on over there. All right, Ryan, where I want to start on this game, um, we're going to try to uh, power preview this thing over the next 15 minutes before Mike gets in. We'll obviously finish up with some more Bills Dolphins stuff at the end. I want to talk a little Bills Dolphins with Mike, but I want to go big picture with him. What's the path to a victory for the Dolphins? They're very banged up on both sides of the ball. Even guys that have been practicing a little bit this week, you know, aren't healthy. I mean, Bradley Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Taron Armstead, different, you know, variations of, uh, of level of health. But guys that are banged up going in this game, and for Armstead in particular, even if he plays, it's not going to be what you expect at your starting Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. What has to happen for rookie seventh-round draft pick quarterback Skylar Thompson to lead the Dolphins to a win. Josh Allen's car must not start and he must have no cell service. That's the only thing I can see, man. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't see a path to victory for the Dolphins and yes, stranger things have happened. There's been big upsets in the playoffs. Unless the bills simply implode in this game. I don't see a path to victory for Miami. It would have to be multiple turnovers on offense deep in their own end, making easy, potential easy scores for Miami's offense, whether it's field goals or touchdowns. Any given Sunday league, I understand it. I get it. They're not just a one-man team, but you saw the way that offense has looked 
Uh, even with Tua down the stretch, uh, it hasn't looked the same. They, they had to squeak out an 11-6 victory in the final week of the season just to get in the playoffs. We know what Josh Allen can do against this defense. I don't see that path. What about you? So I don't see it either, and it, and it stays in line with what you're talking about with Josh. I mean, we saw this movie last season, didn't we? Like a division rival, an upstart, you know, after the Bills were getting most of the, you know, headlines early in the season. The Patriots went on that great winning streak. They came to Buffalo, the win game, right? Like Mac Jones didn't even have to really throw the ball in that game, and they beat the Bills. And everybody was kind of flipping the script on that national Buffalo narrative. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen went into just superhero mode and, and just absolutely destroyed the Patriots in the, in the next two games. Go back a couple weeks ago. Josh Allen still on the tail end of that elbow injury, dealing with some of the things that come along with that, was unstoppable, Ryan. 10 carries, 77 yards in that game. He threw it uh, 40 times, completed 25 of his passes, 304 yards, Four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, that's perfect football, right? Yeah. That's unstoppable football. And I I do like some of the components of this Dolphins defense. And I do think on their defensive line, you, to, you throw in Jalen Phillips, who I thought played a pretty decent game against them last time. Christian Wilkins, who is a real terror force in the yeah. inside. And he can, you know, I don't want to say wreck a game, but he can definitely complicate things. He had a forced fumble last, last time. Josh Allen spread the ball around in that game. He had touchdown passes to Quentin Morris, Naheem Hines, James Cook, Dawson Knox. Stefan Diggs didn't even really get that much involved in the party. And I'm sure he's probably feeling some type of way about being only a second team all pro selection. Um, these guys use anything to motivate them. And rightfully so. <laughs> Stefan Diggs has been, in my opinion, one of the three best wide receivers in the AFC this or in the in the NFL this season, but it is what it is. The, the three guys ahead of him were also really good. He set a career mark, by the way, Stefan Diggs, in touchdowns, 11 receiving touchdowns this season, and it set a franchise record previously held by Billy Brooks. Um, I just think offensively, right? Like, I'm not, I'm taking Skylar Thompson out of the mix completely. Maybe they figure out a way to be more of an effective, balanced offense and not rely so heavily on the wrong game, which, by the way, I think the Bills want them to rely heavily on the running game. That's part of, I think, that bend-but-don't-break mentality. I just think there's too many ways for the Bills to win offensively in this game, in this stadium, in this spot. Yeah, uh, you know, you said it. That last game, uh, Josh Allen threw four touchdown passes, and I still don't think he was right in that game with his elbow. And I don't know what percentage it's at or where he's at, but you saw him unleash on court two deep balls last game with effortlessly the 50-yard one in the air to Stefan Diggs, the 42-yard touchdown pass to John Brown. You know, you don't make those types of passes with the ease that you do if your elbow's not getting better, if you're not getting healthier. We know how we can use his legs. Yes, Miami has some guys on that defense. Uh, Jalen Phillips, you mentioned. Christian Wilkins has yes. really taken his game to the next level, and you mentioned that already. But he, he may be the primary focus on that defense for me if I'm uh, the Bills in terms of game planning, making sure that he can't wreak havoc. Bradley Chubb's status up in the air a little bit for this one, but they do have some guys. So maybe they get after Allen. Maybe they can uh, force some turnovers and make it more, make it closer than it should be. But it, it's just so tough to sit there and say, okay, this seventh round pick, Skylar Thompson, how he's going to come in here after uh, leading the team to 11 points last week against the Jets and somehow be able to out uh, play Josh Allen, which you would have to essentially do. And I know they're not truly going head to head, but he would have to have the game of all games. And I, I've seen some 
Dolphins beat guys trying to, uh, I don't want to say hype him up, but kind of name say, names, Ryan, name names, name names. I think it was Joe Shad uh, oh, well, who, who said, Hey, you know, he, he's played in, he's some got, cold- he's got a Tua Jersey underneath his shirt at all times. Let's be honest about Chad. I what's funny is I've read Chad for a long time. But man, this season has been just enlightening how much of a homer he is. But yeah. it is what it is. He, he said something along the lines of Skylar Thompson has played in the cold and wind in his career and his college career, and he's defeated the likes of Iowa State and Texas Tech. And I'm like, you know, that's not exactly Alabama and Georgia. Uh, if you're trying to prove a point of being the best of the best in in college football in cold weather or windy conditions, uh, the Bills' defense I think will be slightly better than both of those opponents come Sunday afternoon. So. You know, I, I don't want to play this off as just some easy win, but I just see Buffalo winning this game and winning comfortably when all is said and done. We got some breaking news, Ryan. Let's get into this right away. We're going to get into the Bills side of things. Uh, pretty clean injury sheet. Obviously, Isaiah McKenzie, Jordan Phillips haven't practiced the last two days. They are both listed as questionable. Mm. We'll talk about what both of those things can mean uh, if either of those guys don't play. But I want to spend some more time on the Dolphins injury report to a Obviously, already ruled out earlier this week. Raheem Mostert dealing with that thumb injury. He has been ruled out. Interior offensive lineman Liam Eichenberg, doubtful. Starting tackles, Brandon Shell and Teron Armstead, questionable. They are just absolutely beat up on offense. That's, that's literally five starters right there that are in jeopardy of not playing in this game. And I just think that you want to talk about having to overcome adversity. This is like... Uh, you know, uh, Mount Everest of adversity falling on the face of the Dolphins. And in a lot of ways, it does kind of feel like, you know, I did watch some of the back and forth between the fan bases earlier this plane, like what it was like down on the field level. I did pregame down there. Uh, It was 11 o'clock. It wasn't even mid afternoon yet. And I had a towel and in between takes, and we're talking about two minute hits. I was drenched. I was like, Mm. just imagine trying to play football in that. And the difference from that heat, to the shade. I was trying to explain to people it is real. They're not, they're not lying about why guys need IV bags who live in Florida. Isaiah McKenzie needed one at halftime. He lives the rest of the year when he's not in Buffalo in South beach. So I tried to explain that to them. They were having some fun with it. You could say maybe karma a little bit. I mean, I, I, it feels like that a little bit in this it's, it's almost like a complete role reversal. Yeah, it is. And conditions look good for this game, uh, weather conditions. But then in terms of the health, you said it, they're, they're so banged up. Uh, even, you know, a guy like Tyree Kill kind of uh, suffered a minor injury last week against the Jets, limped off for a little bit. I'm, he'll be good to go. He'll play, no doubt about that. But across the board, this team is hurting on both sides of the ball. There should be some real advantageous matchups for Buffalo. On the Bill side of things, Defensive line, you know, Jeff Wilson's going to play in this game. They still have uh, Ahmed, the ru- the running back, who I think at times over the last couple of years, uh, Ahmad, or is it Ahmed? How do you pronounce his last name? Selvin, I, I say Selvin Ahmad, but I could be wrong on that. Ahmad, right. I, I've liked him at points. Even back when they had Matt Breida in there for a year, I thought that Ahmed was maybe the best runner that they, they had that year. Uh, so he's going to probably be in, in some kind of combination with Jeff Wilson, who – they traded for and you know they believe in quite a bit. And I think he he looked pretty good. They're gonna miss Mostert though. There's no way around it. That running game was built around him. And you know, McDaniel's history with Mostert going back to San Francisco, he fits like a glove. I mean, you watched last week a Jets defense, um, who uh, which was so good against the run all season, they were just blocking it up, even with the you know, being as banged up on the offensive line. Mostert runs hard, he gets downhill fast, he puts 
really good hits on tacklers, linebackers. They're going to miss him in this game. I don't know if that run game is even going to be the same, just relying on those two other guys. Yeah, and he was averaging eight yards per carry in that second matchup. And and really, one of the big reasons the Dolphins lost was they went away from him in crucial moments. Third down in short plays, they were throwing it with Tua. A lot of incompletions there uh, that ended drives or short of the sticks. And, and they really could have stayed with uh, what brought them to the party, and that being most in that game. He is a huge loss for this team when you throw him and Tua into the equation. It's going to be tough for them to uh, manufacture yards. The Bills could even, you know, stack the box, really show that uh, challenge Skylar Thompson to beat them. You know, Thompson might utilize the tight end a little bit more, uh, whether that's a Mike McDaniel thing or whether it was a Tua thing. Uh, so they they still have some players on that offensive side of the ball, but I just don't think that Thompson puts much fear into that secondary linebacker core or defensive line for the Bills. What's funny is I look at Tyreek Hill's stat line from a couple weeks ago, six catches, 69 yards, a touchdown. You know, that's 7.7 yard. Obviously, Jalen Waddell had a couple of big plays in that mm-hmm. game. But the Tyreek Hill component's interesting because you take that piece with two in the game against this Bills defense, right? And now you put in Skylar Thompson. One of the big takeaways I have from watching, you know, the games that he's played, he started two games. In those games, the Dolphins are one for four in the red zone. He really struggles to push the ball down the field. Obviously, he's not – there's no There's no way. Like, Brock Purdy is a unicorn. Like, the seventh-round sure. draft picks coming off of the bench and orchestrating an offense the way that Purdy has, it's it's unseen in this league. I mean, you, you have to probably go back to see somebody doing it at the level of Purdy, probably to Tom Brady, right? Like a late-round draft pick that gets an opportunity. So the big takeaway is, okay, if you're going to be working – in that short and intermediate game, you're, you're going to see Tyreek Hill probably get the ball in, the, in his hands, but teams that they've played the last couple of weeks, the 49ers, the Bills, uh, the Jets, the Patriots have done a good job of getting to him quickly, wrapping up tackling. Tackling is going to be a big Huge. piece of this. And at, at times this season, that's been a struggle for the Bills. But I think knowing that going into this game, they got to be dialed up uh, uh, in that part of the game. Yeah, tackling will be one of the keys of the game, being able, making sure that you bring the guys down uh, after catching the ball, limit the yards after the catch. You know, this is an opportunity for the Bills to exercise a, a true demon in Tyree Kill, someone that has helped end their their postseason the last two years uh, in Kansas City. So to be able to kind of defeat him on their path to the, you know, hopefully in their opinion, obviously, or what they're trying to get is to the Super Bowl. And this would be that first step. Knock out Tyree Kill, the player uh, that has been able to defeat you and knock you out of the playoffs the last two years. Then you move on and, and you face whoever it would be next weekend. Obviously, the, the favorite match would be the Bengals, but it's going to be a tough path. Uh, but to be able to take on a player that's ended their season the last two years and have a chance to knock him and his team out of the playoffs is huge for this team. Um, 211 snaps for Skylar Thompson this season. Uh, just north of 200, maybe like 205, 202, somewhere around there. Yeah. Five turnovers and three, three interceptions, two fumbles. As he's trying to process so much, especially against a high level defense like the Bills, who, which are probably going to try to really have an uptick in, in their level of disguising pre snap. Um, I know that a couple weeks ago, the Bengals talked about how simple uh, the Bills uh, defense was, or basic. That was the term that he used. I would imagine if that's even the case, and I'd like to spend a little time with Leslie Frazier and get his his take on that. But I think the Bills try to make things even more confusing, move things around a lot. Obviously, having Milano in this game, Jordan Poyer in this game, the Bills still has, haven't lost this season with Jordan Poyer in the lineup. 
Yeah, listen, they they have all, you know, most of their best plays. I can't say all, obviously. Micah Hyde now is someone that realistically could come back, maybe AFC Championship, Super Bowl type of uh, range. But they have a lot of the guys that when, when they're not on the field that they're prone to lose or prone to these defeats. But when you have Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, uh, healthy at linebacker, you have uh, Jordan Poyer back there at safety, Trey White improving each week, and a very healthy secondary in general. You like this match for the team. Up front, yes, uh, Jordan Phillips is a little bit banged up right now, but you still have Ed Oliver, you still have Daquan Jones. You have some young pass rushers that are going to have an opportunity to get to uh, Skylar Thompson. Thompson holds the ball almost three seconds. Uh, it's going to be up to Greg Rousseau and company to get after him lay those hits, try to create some turnovers, whether it's uh, strip sacks, whether it's getting the hands up, batting passes. There's, they're going to have opportunities in this game, especially against that offensive line you mentioned, Matt, that's pretty banged up for Miami to get through and make plays for this team to help set up the offense in some good scenarios. Jessica over on YouTube, uh, regular in the chat, asks, who do you two see the Bills calling up in this practice squad? And I think that's right on the money. Brandon Bryant and John Brown with, uh, you know, they signed Cole Beasley to the active roster this week. So that obviously fills in that slot role if Isaiah McKenzie's not able to go. Uh, bringing up John Brown just gives you another veteran player uh, to make plays. And you have unlimited call-ups, so why not get John Brown coming off of one of the most electrifying plays that the Bills offense has had all season uh, back in the mix here this week? I think that makes a lot of sense. And then Brandon Bryant's a guy that you can rely upon. He knows the system. He's been up for a bunch of big games over the last couple of years, filling in for certain guys. And knowing that you're going against Skylar Thompson, listen, I know that Jordan Phillips probably wants to play against the Dolphins, right? His former team. It makes a ton of sense to try to, like, gut it out and give the team 15 to 25 snaps. And, but man, with that shoulder injury, you just want to continue to give it as much time to heal as possible. If that's even the case, maybe he's going to need something done on that in the off season. And, you know, time isn't necessarily going to be something that allows him to um, heal enough to, to where it matters enough the following week in the divisional round, but you got to get there too. So there's that kind of operation too, but they could call up Brandon Bryant and then still play Jordan Phillips on Sunday. Yeah, and Jessica, you nailed it. Those would be the two that I would choose based on the injuries on this injury report. Um, I don't really see a, a path for anyone else in terms of the way this team is built, the way they're healthy. You know, if you were looking for maybe a dark horse, maybe a, a Kingsley Jonathan, but I think they're they're still four deep at defensive end. Uh, I thought Jonathan did some nice things in the game that he was called up for, but I, I don't see them taking one of their uh, DNs like a boogie bash him off the field for a Kingsley Jonathan. So I, I think the two that you mentioned, Brandon Bryant, uh, John Brown, those two make the most sense. Here's uh, Brian Bowers over on YouTube. What's the word on Christian Benford for this game? He's up on the active roster. Uh, that was a roster move made, I think, either earlier this week or late last week. Tamar Hamlin going on injured reserve and then Benford back on the 53. Uh you know, it's going to be difficult because I think this is the kind of game against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle where you want Kyrie Elam in the mix, whether it be rotating with Dane Jackson. I know that Christian Benford's working his way back back into the mix as well. Man, I'll tell you, that guy is just getting after it on the jugs machine, Ryan. Like, I'm telling you, we opened locker room the other day at 2.15. It was yesterday, Thursday. And we're, we get to be in there till about 3.15. And usually, guys, like, if you see a guy still out there at like 2.30 taking – you know, um, some reps on the jugs machine. That's something I, I'm telling you, it was like three o'clock. He was still out there doing it. Um, so he's getting, he's getting ramped back up and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they want to get him some, some game action, especially if the bills go up really big early, getting him into the mix. Um, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think there's an opportunity for him to play. It was last week in the season finale. It was interesting. Right before an actors came out, Elena and I were talking about who's that last one going to be. And I said, oh, it might be Benford. I know he's just activated, but uh, they need someone to kind of stay down. And, and they always have the same three or four players inactive. That might just not have been the time or the opportunity to get him in this game. But in this matchup, you said it. There might be opportunities to get him some playing time. Uh, if the Bills can kind of pull pull away a little bit, get him some reps that he's missed these past few weeks when he's been out with the injury. Uh, but in terms of significant playing time, I don't know if it'll be there for him because obviously Trey White is going to play a big role in this game. Kyir Elam, I think, is a matchup you want to have him out there on the field with that speed and athleticism. Uh, obviously, in the slot, you have Taron Johnson, and then Dane Jackson has played a big role for this team. So, yeah, there, there's a path for Benford to play on Sunday. I just don't. Know, I think they're going to limit his reps if he is up on uh, and not inactive in this game. Great stuff, Mr. Talbot, and our guest is in the green room. So let's bring him right in. With no further ado, uh, Mike Sando from the Athletic. How are you, Mike? Uh, co-host of the Football GM podcast over on the Athletic with uh, Randy Mueller. You guys do a great job over there. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, good to be here today. How are you? Good. We are great. We're just getting ready for a football game. I think had you told us a month ago that Bills Dolphins was going to open the wild card round, it probably would have been the hottest matchup that people were talking about in this round. And all of a sudden, the yeah. just the air has come out of this thing with what's going on yeah. down in Miami. That injury report. From the national perspective, what is the perception of this game? That it's really a bye week. It's a bye week almost. I mean, it would be shocking if the Dolphins won. I don't see how they could win. Uh, even if something, you know, knock on wood happened to Josh Allen, you'd still favor uh, the Bills in the game. So um, I think this is a natural first round of the playoffs. Sometimes this happens. And now that there's seven teams, you know, you have seven seeds that are making it, right? You could probably go back mm-hmm. and find some other seven seeds that were on fumes coming in. I, I just think there's some teams that get to the playoffs on fumes at the end. I mean, Seattle's a little bit of another one, probably better than Miami right now, but you'd be surprised if they were able to do anything against San Francisco. And so for the Bills, just take care of business, stay healthy, and get on to the next round, hopefully. What are you hearing about um, Tua in general, uh, the thought around the league about him? Because here in Buffalo, I mean, I've covered Mitch Morse now here for the last couple of seasons, and he had gone two years without a concussion, had the one this year. You know, some of the fear that kind of comes back up with that whenever a player suffers that, especially an offensive lineman. And uh, he said even, uh, I think it was last week, that he was going to try to call, reach out to Tua after the season just to check on him and talk about his experience with everything. What is the thought process on what the future holds now for him even beyond this week? Yeah, so just as a player before the injuries, you know, I think people were encouraged by how he was playing, but hadn't really changed their opinion a great deal that, you know, hey, they'd gotten these amazing receivers and he was still going to have to show over time um, if he could hold up physically and uh, how much of that that he was actually driving. Right. So I think the thought was earlier that he may, though, make it out and be their quarterback. uh, But. Now, how do you even put him on the field next season, possibly, right? Or uh, how could you bank on that? And so I think they've really mismanaged the situation beyond that because they lost a first-round pick in the tampering thing, traded another one for Bradley Chubb. I mean, is that putting their defense over the top? Didn't think so at the time, don't think so now. So they're really in a bad situation. They they started out a little bit like Philly. You know, Philly had Jalen Hurts, who they're excited about, they weren't sure about. And then they had picks in case it went wrong, right? They could do something else. And I think uh, the Dolphins find themselves in a situation where I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to be back in the Tom Brady sweepstakes? Uh, Are they going to look at Derek Carr? Uh, I'm not sure, but I don't think they can bank on Tua. That's for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. With with all the health scares there, uh, big picture for the Bills. What what do you think the perception is around the league in terms of what this playoff run means this yeah. year, specifically for Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and Brandon Bean? You know, so much was uh, affected by the Demar Hamlin situation. I think once he was uh, healthy and 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 or, you know trending in the right direction, and it was just such a boost. Uh, I think there was initially a feeling of. Uh, you know, wow, look out for the Bills. I think people still feel that, but I think as time goes on, you know, the reality of having lost Von Miller is a big deal. And so, God, you're, you know, if you're in the NFC side, we'd be stamping that ticket. Say you're going to the Super Bowl and take your chances. I feel like now when you talk about windows, you know, uh, last year was probably their best win, you know, a great window, right? They were the best team, I felt. This year, a lot of the time, I felt they were the best team, but to me, losing Von Miller throws it open a little more i think if he was there i would feel more confident like hey look out this is a team to beat but i feel like now i like cincinnati you know a little bit just where they're at and you could you could make a case for all of these teams so are they gonna if they they don't make it through i kind of understand you know i know they're the the window and legacies and all that i think this is a really good team and as the bills know better than anybody it doesn't guarantee you championships Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to take advantage of the opportunities when you're the best team. I, th- I felt like more for the Bills that was last year, and that this year, it's a, the margin for error is a little bit smaller because uh, you know Cincinnati's elevated and 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 Kansas City, like I said, Von Miller's hurt. So I think they got a good chance, but it's a tough road. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You mentioned. Cincinnati, obviously Kansas City. I feel like on any given Sunday between the three of those teams, it's just going to be fun football over the next month. Who do you like project long term with the quarterback situation? Some of the you know offensive talent built around those quarterbacks. Who projects as maybe the longest Super Bowl window in your eyes, or the most comfortable wow. Super Bowl? Window? Yeah. So to me, it's probably Kansas City because I think through. Um, style of play for Patrick Mahomes. I think that's one thing. And you would also say of those three, Patrick Mahomes is probably most established as someone who's going to maintain this level of play uh, for a long time. There's no question the talent of Josh Allen, and he's an incredible player and athlete and leader and the whole thing. But he runs the ball a lot. He takes a lot of hits. And we've seen the second half of the career for guys like that. You, you know, there's not really a guy like him, but but Cam Newton ran a lot, was a big body mm-hmm. player was pretty good, not as good as Josh Allen, but physically he wore down the second half of his career. It wasn't any one injury. It wasn't like he just was running and got his knees caved in. That's not usually how it happens. The the toll is taken over time. So I think that will be interesting to see as Josh Allen just so big and strong that none of that uh, affects him later in his career. Burrow, you know, with that organization, that's a potential question mark. And then he takes a lot of hits just in the pocket. I mean, he gets sacked a lot. So uh, we'll see. You know, I really like him, but I think Mahomes has proven. Mahomes plus Andy Reid, take away Tyreek Hill, change the offense, adaptability, probably style of play that's going to be with him for a long time. Would losing Eric Bieniemy this offseason potentially change that view for you at all? You mentioned it. Andy Reid's still there, and Andy Reid is kind of the mastermind behind it all. But we saw Josh Allen this year have a new offensive coordinator for the first time uh, since you know he lost Brian yeah. Dable. So, what's your stance on potentially if if this is the year that Bieniemy maybe gets yeah. a head coaching job? 
it wouldn't even occur to me as affecting anything. You know, I think mm-hmm. you concerned a little more, more with Buffalo because, you know, Sean McDermott's such a great defensive coach. He's not going to go in and help as much as some other coach might, an offensive coach might on the offensive side of the ball. So you're a little bit more dependent on that. I think with as long as Andy Reid's there, the track record goes back to Green Bay and Philly and running different styles of offenses with different types of quarterback and be quarterbacks, even in Kansas City. Alex Smith, they were a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they won a lot of games. I've always felt like Andy Reid elevates your quarterback a couple wins almost, it feels like, right? Uh, Donovan McNabb was another one. I mean, he's a really good talent player. The minute he left, he was done, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. uh I think he I think Reed is such a differentiating coach that even if Eric Bieniemy is helping them, uh, I don't think you could ever make the case that he's the key to the whole thing any more than Matt Nagy leaving or any of those other guys, you know, affected it. What are you hearing about Ken Dorsey? Because that's a really hot conversation among Bills fans right now from the inside looking out. You know, I think if I was a, a hiring coach as good as a job as I think Dorsey's done, I think he connects with guys really well. I still think he's probably a year or two away from wanting to hand him the keys to the whole organization. What are, what, what's the idea? Yeah. What's the thoughts about him? Well, it's a great to even be having that discussion because when Brian Dable left, we were all wondering, okay, is this going to be, you know, a little bit different? Is Sean McDermott as a defensive coach going to grab the reins of the offense and it's going to get too conservative and all of that didn't happen. They were really good on offense. So I think that does reset him, reposition him as not somebody who could potentially be a liability in the absence of Dayball to someone who has prospects of his own. I probably agree with you that it, you know, that another year of it, right? Just sort of like when Josh Allen had a great year, people were like, okay, let's see one more year of it, right? Uh, but you never know in these interactions and interviews how someone connects or what the connections are that could accelerate that. We see that happen. Um, he doesn't seem to have the, you know, he doesn't have the Sean McVay magic dust that just makes him hire you on trust, you know, like, oh yeah, we're just going to get this guy. So maybe that's another reason for another year for him, but it's just great to see that he's even being considered that way. Cause it was potentially going to be a drop off from Dayball, who we've all seen has done a great job with the giants. Yeah. And it's always interesting, you know, f- from the media perspective, because you do see fans criticizing uh, his performance. And yet the bills were among the top offenses in the league. They really didn't miss a step. Uh, But you mentioned something that I wanted to follow up on, as you said, connections. And one team that he's been linked to a little bit is the Carolina Panthers. And obviously they have Dan Morgan, someone that was in the Bills organization for a few seasons. How much does it help a coach when they have those previous relationships? And and Morgan, I guess in his case, how much does it help that he knows uh, a lot about Ken Dorsey, who he is as a coach and who he is as a person? It really helps the team that's doing the hiring. Now, that doesn't mean that they think he's the greatest ever, right? You could know the downside of somebody, too. Sure. I'm not saying that's the case at all, but I'll give you an example like, you know, hey, Russell Wilson was with Dan Quinn. Okay, does Dan Quinn want to be with Russell Wilson in Denver again? Or does he mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, I kind of know the downside of that, too, and doesn't want to do it. So I think it's great for the Panthers that they know. And if those, if he has a high opinion of Ken Dorsey, then I think it really does probably move him a step ahead because it just if he's trusted in the panther organization that's he can vouch uh right so i I do think that that's always uh helpful to have a connection of somebody that respects you knows you and can and can you know put a little capital on the line you know for you when it's needed i've been in this locker room for five years like i mentioned talked to pretty much every defensive player that's come through here uh that's had a role in this defense and all of them say the same things about leslie frazier Micah Hyde is leading the charge for him to be a head coach, even though it'll mean losing him. I haven't heard any rumors about him being a you know a candidate, getting any interviews. Do you feel like 
he's just going to be somebody that, you know, just never gets that second crack at it. It could be just because the owners don't know how the games were won and lost. And when you look at Leslie Frazier, he won 39% of his games with the Vikings and Christian Ponder threw the most pass attempts during that time. Do you think that was a factor maybe in what his record was? Or what do you think anyone else's record would be with Christian Ponder, right? Uh, right. Do, you, do you want to get the next Matt LaFleur who can go pair with Aaron Rodgers and win 75% of his games? I mean, that's just the, that's just the frustrating part about, uh, coaching in the NFL is everybody has to have that guy. And so many of these coaches get their opportunity and then you're paired with Josh Rosen and you're like, ah, hell yeah, Wilkes sucks. No, maybe Wilkes doesn't suck. You know, maybe Josh Rosen never played again in the NFL. And for, for uh, Leslie Frazier, that's a huge part of it. He hit it at the wrong time. Kevin O'Connell goes to Minnesota. Not that Kirk Cousins is amazing, but he's a legitimate starting quarterback in the league who's going to win half the games if you're just representative on defense, uh, right? So I think people don't understand and have a hard time quantifying what a Leslie Frazier brings to it. They look, probably look at that Minnesota record. God, it wasn't very good. And they don't really know how the games are won and lost. Yeah, and that's fair. And, you know, Buffalo's defense, so since Frazier's been here, obviously has been solid. You, you could almost argue, though, to the counterpoint that sometimes it's a blessing in disguise when uh, for him not to have been hired. Because you look at Houston last year. He was a candidate. He was a finalist there. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure there was anything he could have done this year with that roster where we would be sitting here saying he's coming back for a year two. Uh, and I'm hoping that in the case of Frazier, that an opportunity when it arises there are pieces in place for him to truly show because you mentioned it, Christian Ponder. Uh, he wouldn't have been able to do anything with Davis Mills in that roster this no. year. So there, there's something to be said too about maybe, you know, a blessing in disguise that he wasn't picked there and maybe he'll get another opportunity and there will be some pieces where he can pr- yeah. finally prove what he can do. And it's a blessing for the bills. Cause I mean, they're, sure. they're better with them. You know, I, I just think that I, I like the second time head coach, unless someone just has a fatal personality flaw or, you know, there's just something about them that you just think they're incompetent. But I think Leslie Frazier has been competent and better than that everywhere he's been. And I like the fact that I like it when you get a second chance after having a time in between. You know, uh, the, the flip side of that would be like Adam Gase got too quickly into the Jets job, right? If he had been able to reset, take four or five years, think about it all, be humbled a little bit, maybe he goes into his next opportunity, a wiser, readier guy, right? And I think for somebody like Leslie Frazier, who's got such a history in the league. Now he's had, I mean, how many years has it been? Almost 10 years since he was the coach. You would think that, and he's been in different places. Um, You'd think he would be a great one to come in. I don't know of any downside with him. I, 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 you know, he'd be the type of guy that I'd probably be looking for. I do think you have to, you know, there is a debate internally with your team to decide, okay, do we want the offensive coach or defensive? There's something to that. You know, what if we hire a defensive coach, then we're struggling to get offensive coordinators and they leave. There's something to that that you have to take into account and weigh that against who else you can get. But, um, you know, if you look at the long-term success in the league, a lot of times you have either a defensive coach or a head coach who is not a primary, primarily a play caller. And then they build up the defensive side of the ball, which makes it easier to win. And that's, that's Mike Tomlin. That's Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, that, that there's a, I did a story on it before the season, you know, there, there's a handful of guys that have done that. And then you get other organizations where you've got the good quarterback and they never get it right around them because they don't have a coach who leads the team. I think that's one of the nice things that McDermott has done. He's got someone who calls the defense or, you know, and while Sean's very involved, he's trying to coach the team uh, and set it up so that Josh Allen has a top 10 defense. Right. And then it's much easier to win the games. Tom Brady, all those years, had it right 
He didn't, his coach wasn't the master play caller on offense. His coach was setting the culture for the team and having a defense and special teams that let him win championships with it, a great quarterback. So I would take that into account when building a team too. Well said. Uh, I'm going to get you out of here. Before I do, one little quick, fun question. The Bills are pretty much locked down you know, for the foreseeable future, all the, the important pieces in place. The rest of the division, you know, not so much. A lot of questions about all three teams as we look into the offseason, yeah. depending on what happens with the Dolphins. I were to hand you the keys to one of those franchises to take over and run into the future. What's best set up now, best set up for future success, for success. Who would you, who would you think you'd want to take in that situation? Wow, that's a really great question. Uh, <sighs> I don't like Miami with the owner. Okay. So that probably takes me out of Miami. Um, I do like new England with the ownership and the tradition there. And I, and I may do that. You know, I think that they really took a step back um, offensively with the coaching setup that was just doomed from the start. And so I thought that was pretty good job of Robert Kraft to like make them put it on paper that we're getting the coordinator and we're doing all this stuff. They like put out a release. So, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but, in the last few years, they're still roughly a 500 team. That's been their floor, right? With quarterback uncertainty, really screwing up the offensive coaching staff. Uh, some of the rest of it has fallen off. I think the coaching on the defensive special teams, Belichick's probably been spread thin. They've they've been a team now that's made some of the dumb errors or had the special teams meltdowns, but still are right there around 500 with a good defense. So I think there's something to be said for that as opposed to banking on whatever the Jets are trying to figure out, whatever the Dolphins are trying to figure out, the ownership component there. Uh, you know, is inconsistent. Mike Sando from The Athletic. Let everybody know where they can find your work before we let you get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. At The Athletic. Uh, uh, All my columns are there and you can find me on Twitter at Sando NFL and you can find the GM football podcast on The Athletic Football Show feed. Uh, They're usually posts, I think, every Thursday. Beautiful stuff. Thank you, my friend. Probably see you, uh, if not sometime during the playoffs uh, in Indianapolis. What are you talking about? You're not going to the Super Bowl covering the Bills? I'll be ah, there. yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Bills see are going to be there. Bowl. We'll be see there. The don't, don't. Yeah, you <laughs> have little faith. No. Yeah. All right. We'll see you there. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. All right. Mike Sando. Uh, awesome stuff from him. We'll bring in uh, producer AJ into the show, fixing his lighting setup in the background. <laughs> Always an adventure. What's up, buddy? What do you got bringing in for us here? Yeah. So the thing I want to ask you guys, since you and I was listening to Sando, Mike Sando from The Athletic, who did a really good job uh, speaking for you guys, for both of you, I don't care who goes first. Who's the scarier, you know, team for the Bills looking past the the Dolphins? Is it is it Cincy at at home from what you saw from that little bit that that we played? I know it wasn't a big sample size, but or is it the Chiefs uh, at a neutral location? Uh, you know, in Atlanta, actually. So what's a scarier team for you guys? For me, it's the Bengals. Uh, I, I look at that team. They're three deep at wide receiver. The quarterback is playing lights out for the team. I, I know that Buffalo would be hosting the game, but strong defensive ends, uh, very small samples. I'm not looking anything into that seven to three game. I just like the way that their roster has been built and constructed. I like the way that they attack the offensive line in the offseason. And yes, they did lose. Uh, one of their valuable tackles, obviously, late in the season. But I, I like that roster. I, I look at the Chiefs, and listen, if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be shocked because of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, two, two guys that Mike referred to in our interview. But I also look at that roster as being flawed in, in terms of uh, some teams can hang with them. Uh, you, you go to overtime against the Houston Texans. You go to overtime against the Tennessee Titans when they're – 
They're playing their rookie quarterback. You lose to the Indianapolis Colts. You, you play two close games against the Denver Broncos team that was not very good this year. They still ended up winning the most games in the conference, winning the number one seed. They took care of business. But they also let some some teams that did not have anywhere near as much talent hang around with them. And I think that the Bills could definitely uh, beat them for a second time this season. I think the Bengals could beat them for a second time this season. But of those two teams, I think the Bengals give me uh, – I, I have more questions about whether or not the Bills can continue, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Bengals over four quarters. I'm going to push back a little bit. And while I don't necessarily disagree with you, and I could probably find my way to agreeing with Cincinnati being the more – you know, difficult situation because you're so familiar with Kansas City. But I think the familiarity that Mahomes has against McDermott helps him more than it'll help Joe Burrow. Like everything went perfect for Burrow for a drive and a half against the Bills, right? Like they were moving up and down the field. There was no time for adjustment. There was no time for McDermott and Frazier to come together and figure out something different to throw at him. And you mentioned losing Lyle Collins, the right tackle. I think it's even more important and more detrimental to Joe Burrow that they've also now lost Alex Kappa. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. He's definitely going to be out for this week's game. And then you look into next week, he's, he was rolling around on a on one of those mobile carts at practice. And if he doesn't play, we're, we're talking about potentially return of the sack for the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Defensively, DJ Rager's a really good player. But I also like... Mitch Morris having a history with him. He's played him going back to his days in Kansas City. I fear Chris Jones more than I fear DJ Reader on a consistent play-by-play basis, and he's finding his mojo again late in the season. For as much as that Kansas City Chiefs team has been a little bit lackluster in December and in January, Chris Jones has been anything but. He's been a force. He's been that racking ball that he's been over the course of his career, and I still think that's going to be a big problem, and you haven't beaten them. That's the thing to me. Like you've beaten him in the regular season. You haven't beat him in the playoffs. So I still think Kansas City Chiefs are are at that spot. But you don't have to go back to Arrowhead. And I think if push came to shove and I had to make a definitive call, I'd probably go with the Bengals like right with Ryan because of that. You're going to play them in a neutral site. Yeah, you guys are both spot on. I think that, you know, they're both great teams. But with the circumstances of this year, the Bills hosting the Bengals at home, I think that gives – the edge to the Bills, obviously playing in front of the fans. And then when you look at the neutral site game, that's, you know, if you ever ask for a perfect, you know, game for the Bills and Chiefs to see who's the better team and what the Bills have learned from last year, it's doing it in a neutral site in a dome where, you know, two teams are both pretty much healthy. I know Vaughn's out and Hyde might be back that game, but you've got two teams that are very healthy in a dome and the Bills can right their wrongs from the last few years and Hopefully, if they get, move on from the Dolphins and Bengals and get to that point, the, the Bills put everything out there and do it in a neutral location and get the job done. All right. What else you got for us, uh, AJ? Anything else before we get to keys and predictions? Yeah, I'll just touch on the Deion Dawkins article. I just really yeah, you've been, like You've been chopping at the bit to get this Deion Dawkins article <laughs> on the show, man. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I just really like the, the article. If you guys haven't seen it, I'm sure most of, you know, Twitter, people on Twitter have read it. I think it just really shows the, you know, amount of how it's about football, but this was something they've never seen before. He does, he, Dawkins just does a really good job of speaking on how there's a difference between football and life and how all the players and teammates have, you know, realized that throughout the season and with the Hamlin stuff, it's, it's just a really interesting read. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought point number three was 
on his he he wrote up eight graphs, and I thought the the number three one was interesting. Uh, it said that Bengals game would have been a shootout. I swear it had a big fight feel to me. Like you had these two heavyweight boxers about to trade crazy punches. Actually, the truth that truth is we don't like them. That's how we felt going into that matchup. That's how we feel about any matchup in our conference with any team who's standing in the way of our goal. So it really was this statement type game waiting to happen and their fans were jacked up for it. I'll give them credit for that. The weather was right. The sky was dark. Uh, but with everyone's cell phones all lit, they had Welcome to the Jungle on blast. This is weird to say after what happened, but the energy at the start of that game was perfect. It was out of a movie. And I do agree. It did feel like that. And I know a lot of people have been talking about the Bengals, like maybe running away with that one. But I felt like it was going to be a back and forth type of game. Like I thought the Bills moved the ball just fine in that first drive. They just ended up not converting in the red zone. Uh, they've, they've kind of figured things out in previous games uh, against really good defenses in that department. So I was excited to see how that played out. Obviously, what happened after that. I mean, this was a very confident Deion Dawkins in this letter, Ryan. I don't know if you read it, but, yeah. you know, he said if, if anybody over the next four weeks wants to, you know what, around and find out, the Bills are ready to uh, handle some business. So very confident word, maybe even some bulletin board material that's, for some teams. Because, that's exactly what I was going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, just, you know, pretty much kind of came out and gave bulletin board material to every team they could play along the way. We're the best team, and, and we're going to, you know, have a chance to kind of prove it. But going to the, the Bengals part, that that third bulleted point, you know, a, a lot of people, Bills fans and Bengals fans alike, some, you're right, we're like, oh, the, the Bengals are just moving with ease. Listen, we, we've seen this before. Buffalo's defense, uh, it's been but not break. They make adjustments after one or two drives. They figure things out. It was – you. People forget that that Bengals game the week before, they went up 22-0 against New England, and then they got kind of got figured out, and they couldn't put up points in that match. But I think that it would have been a very close game. So anyone making opinions that it could have been a, a runaway for the Bengals or the thinking that the Bills are going to run away with it, no, I, I think it could have been a very close game. And, and in terms of Dion saying we don't like them, you know, there was bulletin board material going into that game. Uh, there was disrespect for the Bills linebackers uh, talking about how they weren't as good as the Ravens linebackers. And, you know, they're good, but they're, they're not the Ravens. And I want to say it was Tyler Boyd who said something uh, as well going into that game. So, yeah, a little bit of talk beforehand. Uh, if they do meet up here in the playoffs next weekend, yeah, I think that'll be a fun game to watch. The atmosphere, you know, at Highmark Stadium will be off the charts. So I uh, can't look ahead past this weekend, obviously, but some potential exciting matchups to come. All right, get over to valuehomecenters.com right now. They have their latest um, advertisement up on the site. Save even more uh, with the best rewards program. New to best rewards, uh, it's Value Home Center's loyalty program. You sign up in-store or online today and you gain access to exclusive deals like the ones on the ad itself. And as always, you could sign up for their text program. It is the best thing going. You text uh, VALU to 8062 and uh, get yourself all set up. All right. Speaking of value home centers, keys to the game, boys. Uh, we'll start with Ryan. We'll go AJ and then I'll finish this up. Yeah. Uh, limit turnovers. That's the only way I think they can lose this game. If, if the Bills don't have multiple turnovers, they win and they cruise to an easy victory. If they turn over the ball deep in their own end, anything can happen at that point. But protect the football that's my key pretty short and sweet and to the point Matt I hope I'm not taking yours but my key to the game is just staying healthy the Bills have had so many injuries throughout the season 
and going into a game where you're going against a team that's, you know, battered by injuries and dealing with a lot of adversity over there. It's very important that this team gets off the field healthy that, you know, the secondary, they can't, they can't lose Poyer. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that they, they can't lose uh, if they want to make a, a run at this thing. So a key to the game, getting healthy and getting another uh, game next week in Buffalo. Shout out to Matt Milano, uh, first team all pro selection today. We didn't get into that uh, on the show, uh, but he's rewarded for his best season uh, to date. He called it that today when we got a chance to talk to him. Uh, he's the only Bills player that uh, got the first team nod. And I, he kind of, this bakes into my key to the game. Uh, it's Stefan Diggs, uh, second team all pro with a franchise and career record, 11 touchdown catches this year. Did you ever watch the, the movie Karate Kid, AJ? You're a little young. I don't know if you've ever seen it. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I mean, I watched it, but not great memory of it. But I watched it before, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. There was Sensei John Kreese. Uh, he he was the head of Cobra Kai in the first movie, and he had a famous line to Lawrence, and he said, no mercy. And I think the Bills have to show no mercy to Skylar Thompson on Sunday. I don't think that they will, but I think they have to contain him in the pocket. Their edge rushers have a, have to do a good job of setting the edge because he he is going to want to get out. He is pretty athletic. He can get out. If you've watched him play, he can kind of get out and try to make some plays happen. I don't think that he's really diagnosing the defense well enough, even in those situations, to make make the kind of plays he needs to make. It's almost like you, you're watching him and you're almost like he probably watches a lot of Josh Allen highlights. And he's trying to kind of, you know, do the, do his best version of that. But I think if you can keep him in the pocket, make him operate there, you know, let your your interior pass rush try to do some damage. Liam Eichenberg potentially out in this game. He's doubtful. You have uh, uh, Shell and Armstead both questionable. You tee off on Skylar Thompson. You make him throw the ball, try to push the ball down the field to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. You turn the ball over and you win the game. Yeah, I think you said it well. I, I think that uh, I, I would be surprised, Matt, if this game is close at the end of the game on Sunday. Prediction time, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to start you. We have not looked at each other's predictions, no. our score predictions every week. I'm going to let you start it off. What do you got? I'll be surprised if we're close to another because I have the Bills winning this one big time. Bills 48, Dolphins 40 burger. Say that again. What's the score? Yeah, Bills 48, Dolphins 13. I think that there's going to be multiple turnovers by Miami, set up some short and easy scores for the Bills, maybe even a defensive touchdown or two. Uh, I just don't see this one being close. I, we are in lockstep, my brother. 42 to 14, I have <laughs> the Bills winning. Um, and I and I had to bring up my uh, email because I send in my email uh, prediction every week to Channel 4, and I got to make sure that it's the uh, same on. But we're it, as much as things change, I know we were a little bit out of sync a couple weeks ago for the Bengals game, but we're right back at it. I feel like sitting next to each other in the press box last week brought That's us – you know, that kinship back closer together. So I got, listen, I just think from a defensive perspective, the Dolphins could do a really good job figuring out a way to run the ball, right? But then they got to execute in the red zone. The Bills are one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL. That's what they kind of built that defense on. Let you kind of drive down the field, shore things up against their own goal line. Skylar Thompson's probably going to make some mistakes down there unless they're able to kind of just run it down the Bills' throat. I don't see that happening. I think Daquan Jones is going to be a player to watch in this game. Uh, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds alike, uh, Jordan Poyer. Uh, I think the Bills get it done 42-14. AJ, what do you got? Yeah, since this, this is one of my last shows, I don't have a predict, prediction for this game, but I'll predict one game um, in the future if it happens. I'm going to go Bills 34, Niners 17. 
Bills won the Super Bowl, prayed in Buffalo. Um, wow. Ooh, look yeah. at this. AJ I, with the uh, – he got out the crystal ball, and he's looking right. weeks and weeks down the line. So if the Skipping Dolphins win this you. week, or can we it, have you come on next week and just kind of sheepishly <laughs> say, I'm sorry, guys. I just, I, yeah, I want I wanted, uh, I wanted, I probably – I said it was one of my last shows. I just, I'd either sit here with my head down or just not show up. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Listen, go go out with a bold take. That's that's how we do it. I love it. Bill's final Niners. thought, Ryan. All right. Yeah, final, final thought. thought can't wait to be at Highmark Stadium on Sunday, Bills Mafia. I know that atmosphere is going to be special. Uh, no doubt that this could be the start of something special for this Bills team. If you want to start something special for your weekend, head over to Tops. Get over to the Carryout Cafe right now. They got you hooked up for game day, your tailgate, whatever you need. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, fourteen bucks. The jumbo chicken wing, ten count, fourteen dollars. The Tops legendary breakfast pizza. Get yourself a large for twenty bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Plus subs, sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. AJ Sabalski, did I do it right? Yep. Wow. Sending you out with a bang, my friend. Ryan Talbot, AJ, thank you for everything this, this season, man. Yes, um, thank you. You are the longest uh, tenured intern. Uh, you went a little bit past your end date. We've had awesome interns, Sarah Holland. Uh, who was on with us last year. Uh, you've you've carried on the tradition. You've done a, a great job. We're really appreciative uh, of your contributions and all your work, man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Uh, hope to stay in touch. And, you know, it's been, a, it's been a really fun season. The chat, thank you guys. It's been fun reading all the shenanigans on there. So reading that, listening to football, it's not a job for me. It's, it's a fun time. No, yeah, thank you for everything. Pleasure to meet your family out at Wingnuts at our first event. Uh, you've done a great job for us. Can't say enough good things. Are you going to come out to Wingnuts, though? In yeah, a couple weeks? 100 <laughs> percent all right good. check that <laughs> out the, the event is up over on facebook uh put a quick plug in for that like and subscribe if you're watching on youtube we're back return engagement to wing nuts uh hopefully for all of your sakes bills mafia in general it is a afc title game preview show friday january 27th in wing nuts uh we're going to meet there at about 6 p.m we'll do the show live at 7 p.m excited about that and everything else this weekend covering this game. We'll see you on Sunday. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.